I'm your instructor, David L. Gray, Master of Arts in Theology, and we begin. In Nona Pachis, Ephilio, Espiritu Sancti. In this talk, I will be highlighting part two, section two, the seven sacraments of the church, article two, the sacrament of confirmation, starting in paragraph 1285 and all the way to 1321. In this talk, I will connect the sacrament of confirmation with the sacrament of baptism and with the liturgy of the church. And I will also be explaining how or the history of how the sacraments of initiation got out of order for our use in the Latin rite. Recall again that in context of the Nicaea Constantinople Creed, we, when we are talking about the sacraments of the church, we are still in that third part of the creed, which concerns the life of the Holy Spirit and his joint mission with Christ Jesus. Therefore, the sacrament of confirmation is essentially that part of the creed which says this about the Holy Spirit, who has spoken through the prophets. In that context, at baptism, when the initiate is anointed by the Holy Spirit through the pouring of sacred chrism oil, perfume oil consecrated by the bishop, it becomes their visible sign that they have been incorporated into Christ and have become a participant in his priesthood, in his prophetic mission, and in his kingship. In other words, through baptism, we become priests, prophets, and kings in Christ. And now, as temples of the Holy Spirit, we become the people who he speaks through. His breath becomes our breath, who has spoken through the prophets, us. The liturgy of the Mass demonstrates this reality most excellently. When the people of God respond to the priest who is in persona Christi with the words that the church, the Holy Spirit, has given us to speak. When we speak in union with the church and the body of Christ in this way, it is the Holy Spirit speaking through us. And the hope of the liturgy is that the people of God who have allowed the Holy Spirit to speak through them in the Mass might continue to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through them in the world. Therefore, in the economy of salvation, the sacrament of confirmation is the Holy Spirit putting the people of God to work in that economy. In paragraphs 1286 through 1288, the Catechism of Catholic Church connects the sacraments of confirmation with the sacred scriptures, saying, In the Old Testament, the prophets announced that the Spirit of the Lord would rest on the hope for the Messiah for his saving mission. The descent of the Holy Spirit on Jesus at his baptism by John was a sign that this was he who was to come, the Messiah the Son of God, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit. His whole life and his whole mission are carried out 
in total communion with the Holy Spirit, whom the Father gives him without measure. This fullness of the Holy Spirit was not to remain uniquely the Messiah's, but was to be communicated to the whole Messianic people. On several occasions, Christ promised this outpouring of the Spirit, a promise which he fulfilled first on Easter Sunday, and then more strikingly at Pentecost, filled with the Holy Spirit, the apostles began to proclaim the mighty works of God. And Peter declared this outpouring of the Spirit to be the sign of the Messianic age. Those who believed in the apostolic preaching and were baptized received the gift of the Holy Spirit in their turn. From that time on, the apostles, in fulfillment of Christ's will, imparted to the newly baptized by the sign of laying on of hands the gift of the Holy Spirit that completes the grace of baptism for this reason. In the letter of Hebrews, the doctrine concerning baptism and the laying on of hands is listed among the first elements of Christian instruction, the imposition of hands is rightly recognized by the Catholic tradition as the origin of the sacrament of confirmation, which in a certain way perpetuates the grace of Pentecost in the church. Like the sacrament of baptism and holy orders, the sacrament of confirmation places a spiritual and indelible and immutable character mark on our soul. This mark is a permanent sign of who we belong to. In my previous talk on the sacrament of baptism, I mocked the Protestant idea of a legal justification system in opposition to the sacrament of baptism that actually performs what it proposes. I said that all legal acts have to have some sort of paperwork or documentation as evidence that the transaction took place. And without that evidence, Protestants cannot prove that God has legally justified them in some way. In contrast, the indelible sacramental character mark placed on our soul upon worthy reception of the sacrament of baptism, confirmation, and holy orders is that evidence of that legal act, if you want to call it that, of God adopting, sealing, and instrumentalizing his children, respectively. Moreover, because these sacraments place that indelible spiritual character mark on our soul, it can never be repeated or even conferred temporarily. Now, let us revisit the idea of capacity, which we began with our first lecture. We were created with capacity for God again. And a capacity which was diminished through the wound of the original sin. A capacity which was not only fully restored upon conferral of the sacrament of baptism, but was perfected by making us a temple of the Holy Spirit. Thereby, our capacity reached the limitedness of the divine nature. Now, through the sacrament of confirmation, 
which completes the sacrament of baptism, our capacity, having been fully restored and perfected through baptism, is now sealed with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What this means is that all the graces and gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit we receive at baptism are now accentuated. Therefore, the limits of our capacity for wisdom and understanding and counsel and fortitude and knowledge and piety and reverence or fear of the Lord know no bounds. Paragraph 1303 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church addresses the increase in deepening of our capacity of baptismal grace in this way. Saying it roots us more deeply in a divine fellation, which makes us cry, Abba, Father. It unites us more firmly in Christ. It increases the gifts of the Holy Spirit in us. It renders our bond with the church more perfectly. It gives us special strength of the Holy Spirit to spread and defend the faith by word and action as true witnesses of Christ, to confess the name of Christ boldly and never to be ashamed of the cross. In other words, Again, it is as we confess in the Nicaea Constantinople Creed, who has spoken through the prophets, prophets who are now us. And the work of the Holy Spirit speaking through us is not just in words, but also through our thoughts and actions. Because the prophet, whose words are not reflected consistently in their actions, and vice versa, is a hypocrite. While the church acknowledges that if anyone is in danger of death and acts to be baptized, anyone can do what the church intends to do by baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to a person who has already been baptized, only a priest can confirm them if they are in danger of death. The reason for this is because the ordinary minister of confirmation in the Latin rite is the bishop. This is a departure from the tradition in the Eastern rites of the Catholic Church whose ordinary minister is the priest because in their rites, baptism and confirmation occur in and always at the same celebration. Yet, because confirmation unites the Christian more deeply in the apostolic unity of the church and her apostolic origins, the priest in the East can only use sacred chrism oil that has been consecrated by the patriarch or the bishop. For exactly the same reason of uniting the baptized more deeply into the apostolic unity of the church and her apostolic origins, the Latin Rite Bishop intends to personally visit the churches in his diocese and to confer the sacraments of confirmation himself. Because as paragraphs 12, uh, 13, 13 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church states, 
Only the bishop has received the fullness of the sacraments of holy orders. But if the need arises, he may grant the faculty of administering confirmation to a priest, which happened in my case when I received all three sacraments of initiation at once as an adult convert. In paragraphs 1306 and 1311, the Catechism of the Catholic Church is addressing some terms and ideas that have been not fully flushed out in Catholic theology because they are only there, we have to admit, due to a number of historical accidents. Thereby, terms such as age of discretion, age of consent, sacrament of adulthood or sacrament of Christian maturity, and preparation for confirmation are all problematic for two reasons. First, because they ignore the novelty of the sacrament of initiation being out of order in the Latin rite. The order of the sacraments rightly are baptism, confirmation, then Holy Eucharist. But for centuries have been inverted to be baptism, then First Communion, and then the Sacrament of Penance and Reconciliation, and then Confirmation. That's just weird. The second problem then relates to the first, which is that there is no need for those terms when the Latin rite was conferring all the sacraments of initiation all at once and at one time on infants, just as they still do in the East and as we do on adults in the West. Paragraph 1290 and 1291 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church offers some historical insight. In the first centuries, confirmation generally comprised of one simple celebration with Baptism forming with it a double sacrament, according to the expression of St. Cyprian. Among other reasons, the multiplication of infant baptisms all through the year, the increase of rural parishes, and the growth of dioceses often prevented the bishop from being present at all baptismal celebrations in the West. The desire to reserve the completion of baptism to the bishop caused the temporal separation of the two sacraments. The East has kept them united so that confirmation is conferred by the priest who baptizes, but he can do so only with the myron consecrated by the bishop. A custom in the Roman church facilitated the development of the Western practice, a double anointing with sacred chrism after baptism. The first anointing of the neophyte on coming out of the baptismal bath was performed by the priest. It was completed by a second anointing on the forehead of the newly baptized by the bishop. The first anointing with sacred chrism by the priest has remained attached to the baptismal rite. It signifies the participation of the one baptized 
in the prophetic, priestly, and kingly office of Christ. If baptism is conferred on an adult, there is only one post-baptismal anointing, that of confirmation. History further informs us that by the second century, there had been a rich development of pre-baptismal um, and confirmation liturgies throughout the Mediterranean cultures, just a diversity of them. The incorporation of extensive use of baths and oils had become a consistent feature in all of them, particularly to the baptismal rites where the bishop played a significant part. After being baptized and clothed in white garments, the bishop would then lead the newly baptized triumphantly through the assembly until they arrived at the sanctuary. He would then lay hands on their head as a sign of welcoming them into the church community. Here, a novel approach then began in the Roman rites in about the second century, which began to treat confirmation as if it were a separate sacrament in which the Bishop of Rome after leading the assembly through the, 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 the newly baptized through the assembly to the sanctuary and placing her hands on her head, he would then also anoint their foreheads with oil and form a cross and, and pray then on them that they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Although the timing of this anointing still took place at the same time as baptism, the signs of transition were distinct enough that it appeared to be recognizable from what had taken place during the rites of baptism. This new confirmation ceremony in the Latin West is what eventually paved the way or eventually gave allowance for these two sacraments of baptism and confirmation once one to eventually depart from one another. As Catholicism became the mainstream religion of the empire after 381, after Emperor Theodosius made Catholicism the official religion of the empire, now that Catholicism was the its religion, it began to grow rapidly. And this expansive growth in the church meant more baptisms, and people were being baptized all at the same time. And there were new church communities popping up everywhere which made it impossible for the bishop to be at all these baptism ceremonies at once he couldn't bilocate. For Eastern Catholics, they still experienced the same expansive growth, but the solution for them was still simple. The local priests still baptized and confirmed with the sacred chrism oil blessed by the bishop. But in the West, where the bishop had become the ordinary minister of confirmation due to that novelty departure, the solution became to make confirmation its own distinct sacraments because it had its own signs by this time. So Catholics would be presented to the bishop on the occasion of his visit to their church. For a time, that Episcopal visit was typically not a long time after baptism. They would be baptized by a priest. And then shortly after, the bishop would come visit them all and confirm them. But as years and centuries passed, as the Roman Empire declined, as bishops were put over larger and larger territories, making it even more difficult for them to visit their parish, even 
once in a year as Rome struggled to quickly fill the vacancies. Strange ideas such as age of reason, age of discretion, began to creep into the lexicon as a way to defend and justify the problem. While Spain and some of the Spanish-speaking territories like Mexico continued the tradition to present infants and small children to the bishop for confirmation upon his visit after baptism, in places like the United States and uh, in the vast territories, for which was a vast territory for a small number of bishops, in the late 1700s and 1800s, this caused the sacraments of confirmation to be delayed there as well. In the 19th century, in France, the idea of postponing confirmation to the age of 12 after First Communion became the tradition there. In the early 1900s, Pope Pius X directed that little children be allowed to receive communion. This is the idea of First Communion. As soon as they reach the age of reason, at approximately, approximately the age of seven before they were confirmed, but after they had made a good confession. And from there on, thanks to Pius X, trying to fix a problem by making a problem worse, the sacraments of initiation in the West had been completely out of whack. So the Latin Catholic always has to distinguish between what the church teaches that the sacraments are, and in this order, baptism, confirmation, and Holy Eucharist, that is only a discipline that we're recognizing in the Latin church, that because of reasons that are no longer an issue today, the order of sacraments for children who are baptized at a young age are baptism, penance and reconciliation, Holy Eucharist, then confirmation. Hopefully we'll be able to admit that one day that this order has left many Catholics without the sacrament of confirmation, meaning that we left them without getting sealed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, meaning that their baptism was not complete and that we have created a bigger mess by treating the sacraments of initiation and healing as a matriculation process rather than a gift. And not only a matriculation process, but not even a good matriculation, not even a good education in that matriculation process, which has led to a host of other problems in our church. So we are talking about a discipline here when it comes to that out-of-whack order, not a dogmatic teaching. It can change, and it should change, in my opinion, for the better health of the church. In our next encounter, I look forward to sharing with you the Catholic Church's teaching on the sacraments of the Holy Eucharist, the source and summit of our faith. Thank you for listening.